And let's read together some questions and answers tonight from the Heidelberg Catechism. We've been uh, using it to, uh, to guide us in uh, some of the big ideas of Scripture. I mentioned this morning again, the Bible's a big book, and uh, the Heidelberg Catechism gives us a, uh, a summary of uh, key points of theology and Christian ethics, how we're to live, the things that we need, that we need to know. Um, uh, in a, it's fairly lengthy, but somewhat small little scale model, as it were, uh, of what the Bible teaches. And so uh, Lord's Day 7 is where we're at tonight, uh, page 875. We're going to read there uh, Q&A 20, uh, and we'll read down to 23, which is the, actually the Apostles' Creed. So um, question 20, I'll read the question if you'd say with me the answer. Are all people then saved through Christ, just as they were lost through Adam? No, only those are saved who through true faith are grafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. What is true faith? True faith is not only a sure knowledge by which I hold as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. It is also a wholehearted trust which the Holy Spirit works in me by the gospel that God has freely granted not only to others but to me also forgiveness of sins, everlasting, eternal righteousness, and salvation. These gifts are purely of grace, only because of Christ's merit. And then question 22 uh, on the right column. What then must a Christian believe? All that is promised us in the gospel, a summary of which is taught us in the articles of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith. And what are these articles? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And then also, let's turn to a couple of passages just to read them uh, before us tonight to think about faith, uh, what it is, why we need to believe in Jesus. And so John's Gospel, chapter number 6, a couple of verses there. Uh, right in the middle of uh, that famous story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with a couple of fish and loaves. Uh, Chapter 6 there, uh, number 25, verse 25, we'll read down a couple of verses. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him, whom he has sent. And then also, let's turn over to uh, the book of Acts again. So back to where we 
uh, just left off a few moments ago, chapter 16, Acts chapter number 16, and this is a story of the Philippian jailer, so Paul and Barnabas are there in jail, uh, Paul and Silas, excuse me, are in jail, and there's this jailer, a, a man from Philippi, and uh, verse 27, when the, jailer, when the jailer awoke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. The reason why is because in Roman law, if you lost a prisoner that you were uh, to take care of, uh, you would be put to death, so he's just going to take care of it himself. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And all of God's people say, Amen. So, Everybody has faith, right? Everybody has faith? What was that? Yeah, everybody has faith, right? Some kind of faith, some faith in something, right? Uh, I've never watched the Grammys, and I, you know, I don't pretend to know anything about music, culture, and so forth, but you probably, you know, it was all the news, and at least on social media, uh, this satanically inspired performance. So was it last Sunday, I think it was, a Grammy? Was it Sunday or Saturday or whatever it was? Uh, there's a satanically inspired uh, 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 song that was played, and you know everybody's up uh, up up in arms about it. Um, so they asked one of the performers about the song, uh, and uh, uh, this uh, transgender woman, uh, this man who now claims to be a woman, uh, uh, said that it was a performance based upon uh, life experience that uh, when, when he was growing up as a child, he wanted to be a part of religion, he said, um, but religion didn't want him. So it's interesting that even people who claim to have no religion or, or maybe religion kicked them out or, you know, they, they, they wanted to believe in religion, they wanted to be part of something better than themselves, that there still are religious themes. It's interesting, people who, who reject the Christian faith, it's always the Christian faith and the God of the Christian faith and the people of the Christian faith, that they're always attacking, it seems like. Uh, you would never see an artist uh, doing a, a, the, a theme of uh, Muhammad and his nine-year-old child bride, Aisha, uh, if you know anything about Islam. You'd never see people doing that because you, they, put a, they put a price in your head. You'd be, de- you'd be dead pretty soon. Uh, but it's always after, after Christians and the church and Jesus and the Bible uh, and you know, Christendom, Christianity, that people always attack. It's because everybody has faith. Everybody believes uh, in something. Everyone has some kind of a faith, some sort of a faith. Uh, everybody believes that life is bigger than themselves in some sense. Uh, and so everyone has faith. Everybody believes. Everybody wants to believe. They want to belong to something. Uh, they, they want to, uh, or they do put their trust in something, whether it's, it's, it's themselves or someone else or a thing uh, or a place or power or a position, whatever it might be. Everyone has some sort of faith. And so Jesus speaks to us about faith, uh, that we are to believe. Uh, The work of God, ironically, right, it's not a work. The work of God, ironically, is to believe. To believe in the one, Jesus, the Son of God, whom God the Father has sent. And when that Philippian jailer was so uh, 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 prepared to take his own life, 
because his prisoners were now free. He was ready to kill himself, and the apostle and his assistant Silas are so quick then to say, no, we're still here. And so he's so astonished, and, and so he asks, you know, what must I do to be saved? And again, it's an irony. We don't do anything. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And that's the basic, one of the basics of the Christian faith and the Christian message, that God has sent his Son in human flesh, Jesus, and that it's by trusting in him, not yourself, that we receive salvation, everlasting life, uh, righteousness, forgiveness, all those wonderful blessings of what it means to be saved. So what must I do to be saved? It's very simple and very uh, central uh, to the heart of the Christian message that we need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so our catechism questions and answers tonight uh, speak to us about faith. And let's look at those uh, for a few moments uh, about faith tonight and why faith is important, why it's necessary, what does it mean to have faith, what is faith placed in, and so forth. So notice that question number 20, uh, the necessity of faith. So I'm going to lead us through those questions and we're going to look at some passages as well. Uh, the necessity of faith is uh, explained to us in question number 20. Um, and the reason for the question is this. Um, Adam. Adam's our, 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 our father. Adam's our human father. And we've seen that he is like a, a representative head, meaning he, whatever he did was going to affect us. So whatever the, you know, we were joking about the Chinese spy balloons. Uh, whatever the president of China does, it affects Chinese people and uh, whatever our president does affects us, right? They are representative heads. They are uh, they're key figures. They're international leaders. They lead huge nations, powerful nations. So that's what a, what a head is, a representative head. Whatever Adam did affects all those whom he represents, meaning the human race. So Adam's our father. He's our head. Uh, and because he sinned and because he fell into sin that we saw uh, several weeks ago, Therefore, we have sinned too, and we have fallen in Adam. That's the, the Christian message about sin. Adam sinned, therefore, we are also considered to be sinners. So, so, this question is asked in this kind of a sense. So, Jesus is described in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul as a, a second Adam, a last Adam. So, in Adam, we all sinned. So, that means, therefore... That in the second Adam, Jesus, he saves all, just as all have fallen in Adam. That's, that's what the question is asking us. Is it the case that, so Adam sinned and we've all sinned? Yes. Jesus obeyed and therefore we're all saved? Okay, so you can see, kind of see like there's a parallel, right? There's a parallel that exists. This is a natural question to ask. It's a natural question to ask. Well, so, so is it the case then that Adam, our first father, he did something wicked that causes us all to fall? And so then God sends another in his place, a second Adam, Jesus, and all that he does, all the good that he does, all the righteousness, the salvation, he dies for us, he's, he raises, uh, he's raised for us. So all that stuff then is coming to every human being, right? Everybody that he represents and all are saved. That's kind of the parallel that exists and that the question is trying to get us to grasp with and, and, and wrestle with and think about. Uh, but there's a difference, the Bible says. There's a difference between, on the one hand, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We know that passage from Romans 3, 20, uh, 23, right? All have sinned 
and all have fallen short of the glory of God. There's a difference between that and then what the answer here tells us. Only those are saved, in contrast to that, who believe in the gift of God. So all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, yet only those who believe in the gift of God are saved. So there is this, there's a natural in our minds, a, a parallel that might exist, but the Bible says, no, it doesn't actually exactly work that way. It's true that what Adam did affects all those whom he represents, and it's true that all that Jesus did affects all those whom he represents, but the difference is he represents those who believe. Those who believe in him are saved. So that then the objection might be, might be made in our minds and our hearts. We might be thinking, okay, well, that's, that's not fair, though. That's not fair that only those are saved who believe in Jesus Christ. That doesn't seem fair to us. And we might say in response, well, as like Paul says, who are you to reply to God? You're the piece of clay and he's the potter and he can mold and make of you as he wills, right? He's God. He's God. He sets the term of, terms of what it means to be a believer. He's the one who sets up the situation, the, the terms for what it means to be saved. And he says that he's going to send a gift to the world, and all those who believe in that gift and receive that gift will be saved. But not all do. Not all do. Why? Because of our sins. Because of our radical sin nature. And so there's Jesus in John chapter 6 telling the crowds who've just been fed miraculously with fish and with bread, and they come to him, and he tells them that they are coming not even because of the sign, the miracle, but because they've had some food, and they're no longer hungry. They, they're satisfied. And he says, don't labor, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to everlasting life. One of these great sayings of Jesus. And so they respond to that by saying, well then, well then what must we do to be doing the works of God? These, this work of God to receive everlasting life. And again, this irony, it's not a work. You are saved apart from your works, despite your bad works, your sinful works. Instead, the work of God is to believe, to believe in the one whom God has sent, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why? Why? It's because faith grafts us. Notice that language in that answer. It grafts us into Christ and accepts all his benefits. So if you take, say, a... Uh, a grapefruit tree and you cut uh, a little snippet, a little branch off and then you take it over to, uh, I believe it's a tangerine tree and you take that grapefruit tree, that branch and you then cut a little branch on a tangerine tree and you put them together, you graft them together, you splice them together and there's a certain kind of a tape you can put on there to, to hold them together. That's what is a, what's called a graft, right? You can graft one tree onto another, and uh, eventually you'll get a, another kind of a fruit. You know what kind of fruit you'll get? A grapefruit and a tangerine? 
I have a tree in my backyard that's that kind of a tree. Now, it's, I didn't graft it myself, but I, I bought it as a little tiny tree 20-something years ago and planted it. Uh, and every single year, it gives us awesome, juicy, sweet fruit called the tangelo. Called the tangelo. I think it's grapefruit and tangerine. I'm pretty sure it is. But uh, th- this wonderful fruit, right? So you can graft one tree onto another. Uh, and because of that, that, that branch that is severed doesn't have any roots, right? You can, you can put it onto the roots of the branch, then the trunk, and the roots of another tree. And to give that little branch new life. And not just life for the branch itself to, to have leaves, but actual fruit that's edible and that's delicious. Faith grafts us into Christ. Didn't Jesus tell us that we are like branches? I am the vine, you are the branches, right? Does the branch have any life of its own in John chapter 15? says the, the branch, right? It's just, it's just a branch. And if it's all by itself, meaning if it's been cut off and it's just there in the sun, it's eventually going to dry up and it's going to wither away and it's going to die. I'm the vine, you're the branches, and we only have life because of him or in him. And so our faith links us to Jesus. It grafts us into Jesus and gives us as you know, sinful, withering, dying human beings, sort of like branches, it gives us new life and vitality. And that's why Jesus says you must abide then in the vine, right? You have to live in the vine and get your life from the vine, get your uh, nutrients and nourishment from the vine, that is from Jesus. That's why it's different to say all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God in Adam, but on the other hand, only those who believe. Only those who believe receive everlasting life because we need to be linked into Jesus Christ, which is unnatural to us as sinners. It's natural for us to be withering branches in Adam, but it's unnatural for us to be in Christ, so we must believe. We must be linked to him. Only those are saved who, through true faith, are grafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. So then what is faith? So there's a necessity of faith to be saved, but what is it? Right? Again, everybody has faith. Everyone trusts in something, someone, some place, some power, uh, whatever it might be, some ideology, some philosophy, some religion. Everyone trusts in something. So it's not just faith for faith's sake. That distinguishes us and is the result uh, uh, and and receives salvation. It's true saving faith. Politicians, uh, more in 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 recent years, uh, we've been hearing this this uh, slogan. Now it's become a it's not just an idea. It's now it's a slogan that we need to restore faith in our institutions. You've heard that, right? We need to restore faith in our institutions. And they work us all up, you know, and, and you know, democracy is bad, uh, is going down the toilet, and, you know, this has happened, and, you know, we're not as, you know, we're, we do it on, you know, on this side does it, and we over here on this side do it, whatever side of, of the aisle, or if we're not even part of the, those two sides, whatever political persuasion we have, uh, we hear this little mantra, this little slogan these days. You know, we've got to restore faith in our 
institutions. Now, again, that's a kind of a faith, isn't it? That's a kind of a faith. But it's not just faith that saves us. It's true saving faith in Jesus Christ. And that answer, that question, answer 21, it's, very, it's somewhat lengthy and just, you know, the, the, the key idea there is, you know, what is faith? Well, faith involves a knowledge. You've, there are certain things that you need to know. That you're a sinner, that Jesus is a savior, and so forth. You've got to know that you've got to believe in him, right? There are these key sort of facts, if you will. He died for sinners. He was raised for sinners. Faith does include knowledge. So faith's not just a feeling. Faith's not just sort of a, a, a blind step out into the abyss, into the darkness. Faith includes knowledge. I saw a picture this, this past week of the first, uh, or the, uh, an American astronaut from the space shuttle, I think it was back in the 80s, uh, the farthest spacewalk, an untethered spacewalk. You know what that is, right? So uh, uh, astronauts can tether themselves to the space shuttle or whatever craft they're on, and they can do a spacewalk. But they know that they're going to be safe because, you know, if something happens, they've got this line that's attached to the space shuttle. They can just recoil them back in. But there was a, a certain astronaut, I can't remember his name, but he had a little space sh- uh, pack on uh, that had little uh, propulsion and there's this picture of him, and it looks like he's, he's floating out. There's absolute darkness behind him, and below him is, you know, the blue planet, right, uh, Earth. And it looks like he's a million miles from the photographer. But it was the farthest untethered space uh, walk that any astronaut has ever taken. He had to have a lot of faith to do that, didn't he? I mean, to go out there because Earth is revolving at, what is it, 200 and something thousand miles a, an hour or whatever it is, some ridiculous uh, amount of uh, speed. Uh, and there he is floating out there, and he's got to keep pace with the space shuttle as it's going around uh, in its orbit uh, as well. But he, but he had also the, the confidence, the knowledge that he had the space pack, and he probably already had the calculations ran in his head as these guys are all smart, these gals are all smart. He knew the angle and the speed and how long he had the burn and so forth to get back to the space shuttle just in case something bad happened. Faith involves knowledge does involve knowledge. It involves assent, right? There's, there's an acknowledgement then that those things, that knowledge, uh, it's true. James, for example, James chapter number two tells us that even the demons believe that God exists. Do demons have faith? They have a kind of faith as well, don't they? We call that sometimes a, an historic faith or an historical faith. Uh, they believe in the facts, the historical realities of, you know, of existence. God exists, Jesus exists, he died, he was raised, and so forth. They just, they just, they leave it at that. You know, they, these things happened. These things happened. That's in a sense. Even the demons believe that God exists. That's in a sense. But it's not a saving faith. Right? It's not, again, it's not just faith that, that saves us. And it brings us over from the column of Adam to the column of Christ. It's true, saving faith. And there's that third little ingredient there in that, in that answer where it says, not only a sure knowledge, so not only a sure knowledge, by which I hold as true, that's what we call assent, all that God's revealed to us in his word. It's also a wholehearted trust. A wholehearted trust. So it's knowledge. It's assent to that knowledge. But it's a trust. It's a believing in those things for yourself. 
It's not just that I know that God exists and I acknowledge that God exists, but I receive that knowledge for myself, for my benefit, for my good. And that's why that answer tells us that this trust comes from the Holy Spirit. He works it. He creates it in our hearts by the means of the gospel. In Acts 16, that, I read that uh, story there of uh, the Philippian jailer. There's also Lydia, uh, this tanner. She was a purple tanner. And uh, the story says, this is the verses just before that I read, verse, uh, uh, verse uh, 11 and following. It tells us there that the Lord opened her heart, verse number 14. Acts 16, verse 14. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Faith includes this trust, and that trust comes from the Holy Spirit. He needs to open the heart to receive the truth and the assent for oneself and for one's benefit. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of Christ. The Spirit works it in our hearts through the preaching of the gospel. And you can see there, there's this personal aspect in this question and answer. Uh, God has freely granted not only to others, but to me also. That's true faith. That's that wholehearted trust aspect of faith. That you're not just acknowledging like demons and devils do, uh, and everyone else in society, that yes, there's something beyond the grave, there's some great power, and I assent to that in some sense. It's not just to others, but to me also. God has granted forgiveness of sins, eternal righteousness, and salvation. There's a personal aspect to it. That's why we can say we had, you know, we have we have no personal uh, like Adam falling away. We are born sinners. So there's an impersonal sense in which we're born sinners naturally. But when it comes to faith in Jesus Christ and salvation, it has to be then personalized. That's what makes it different. Our sins in Adam, our salvation in Jesus Christ. Forgiveness, everlasting righteousness, and salvation that come to us by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the gospel. Not only to others are these things true, but this is true of me. Can you say that tonight? that I believe in Jesus, that I believe that he's forgiven my particular sins, that his everlasting righteousness, that means his, his upholding the laws and obeying God in every single way, all that is mine because I'm unrighteous. And that his saving grace, I need it. And I embrace it. Can you say that tonight? So there's a necessity of faith. We need to believe. What must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus. What is faith? It's a wholehearted trust, ultimately, that what God has said and what God has done in Christ is for me and my benefit. And there's this object. I'll just mention this quickly and we'll conclude. But there's the object of our faith. Notice that question 22 and then 23 of our, of our questions there. Uh, what then must a Christian believe? Again, it's not just faith. It's not faith in faith. It's not faith in institutions. It's not faith in any other person, any other thing, any other idea. Notice the object of faith. 
is all that is promised us in the gospel. The good news of God's grace found in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. All that God has promised us in the gospel. I mentioned before that uh, you know, this lamp here, uh, you know, it could be a, a very ornate lamp, a beautiful lamp, a very costly lamp. It could be an, art, uh, it can be an ancient uh, antique lamp passed down to us generation to generation as long as lamps have existed. And the cord can be nice, and, uh, and, the, and the copper wire inside could be uh, the perfect copper from the, from the best mine in the world, and, and all the plastic and all the ornateness, and the light bulb, uh, and everything about it could be the, just the, the greatest lamp that's ever existed, whatever that might be. But if it's not plugged in, it's worthless. It's useless. It, it, there's no light going to come out of it if it's not plugged in, right? Faith can be, you, a person can have the faith that can move a mountain. The strongest faith, the deepest faith, the most amazing faith. But unless that faith is plugged into the right object, the right place, it's a worthless faith. Are demons going to spend eternity celebrating the grace of God and Jesus Christ in heaven? They have faith. It's not in the Lord Jesus Christ. It must be plugged in in order for it to be of value. And that's what the object is. Faith is put into the gospel. All that is promised us in the gospel. And that gospel, that good news, the grace of God, the acts of God, the works of God, they're summarized for us in the Apostles' Creed. That God has made us, Jesus saves us, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. Do you believe that tonight? If you believe if you believe that tonight, like that Philippian jailer, like Lydia, like those people that heard of Jesus and heard Jesus preaching the gospel on that mountain uh, as he fed them with loaves and fish, you can know and you can be confident that you are a child of God, forgiven of all your sins, granted the righteousness of Christ so that you can stand before God acceptable tonight, and know for certain that you have eternal salvation. Amen? Amen? Let's give the Lord thanks. Let's pray.